Well, this has been one of those weeks that's been crazy, you know, uh, jam-packed and all that. Uh, of course, with the flooding, um, you know, that's, that was big this week. But even before that, you know, it was a big week, right? I mean, we had the Super Bowl, and everybody enjoyed that. Everybody celebrated that. Well, most everybody, anyway, right? Um, the Super Bowl halftime show. Anybody enjoy that? No? Hey, let me just say, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent here and because uh, I've got a sermon to talk about, um, but being a father of a daughter, man, that's not, that is not God's idea of success. Um, we should want our children to be more, to, to look to higher goals, not to live for the appeal and pleasure of this world and of men. Um, it takes a lot more than that to uh, be who God wants you to be. That's not success. That's not. And uh, us as parents, us as Christians, we need to stop treating it as such. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go down there because I could spend a lot of time there. But uh, so the halftime show and, and the, the Super Bowl commercials, right? We all, that's almost as good as the Super Bowl, right? Um, but we had the impeachment thing, and I'm not really into politics, but I sort of got into this a little bit, watching the trial, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, just hear, hearing and watching people go back and forth, and then we had the State of the Union address, which I thought was really good, you know. Um, what a week, right? Oh, what could top that? What could top that week? Well, what we're going to talk about today will definitely top this week. Um, we're going to be talking about the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 6. And we, if you're visiting with us, if you're new, we've been going through the gospel of, of Mark. Um, excuse me, I maybe said Matthew, but we're going through the gospel of Mark. And so if you've missed a week, we have a website. You can go back and just listen and catch up. But... Uh, we're going to be talking about the feeding of the 5,000 today. Now, up front, I want to tell you that that number is, is um, a lot bigger than 5,000. Mark men- mentions the number of men that were fed were 5,000. And so, you know, if, if you, know, you include wives, spouses, if you include children, conservative estimates are 20,000. Some estimates go up to 30,000 people. So this is a huge, huge miracle. I'm excited about this miracle and talking about this with you today because this is the only miracle Jesus does mentioned in all four Gospels, the only one. And so we have to talk about this. We do. It's an amazing, remarkable, unbelievable miracle. But here's the thing. It has a lesson behind it. Every miracle that Jesus ever did and every miracle Jesus continues to do always has a lesson behind it. There's always instruction. There's always something to learn through the miracle. And as we're going through Mark, we are seeing Jesus on display. Out front and center. You know, Trump made all of his remarks regarding his accomplishments and they were great and how great this was and and as you go through Mark you are seeing the accomplishments of Jesus in front of you left for you to decide and make your own decision of who Jesus is you know in the Old Testament there are many names for God Um, 
the, the Hebrews would use these names and terms for God. And one of them was Jehovah Jireh. And it means the Lord provides. The Lord our provider. And it's interesting that if you read through the gospel accounts, you see Jesus fulfilling each one of these Old Testament names. He is pretty much saying, I am fulfilling the Old Testament. I am God in the flesh. And today we're going to look at Jesus being Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Let me ask you this. Who do you see as your provider? Who provides for you? You Maybe you you provide for yourself, right? Um, Maybe someone else provides for you. Maybe you're young, you're still in the home. You know, maybe your parents provide for you. Maybe your spouse provides for you. Maybe your spouse makes enough to where you don't have to work. Maybe you both work, but one is the breadwinner. You know what I mean? Who is your provider? I know there's practical aspects to this. The Bible teaches us to work hard and to make a living and to not be sluggards and to provide for ourselves. But ultimately, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our great provider. Now, it's one thing to say that. It's one thing to say Jehovah Jireh. It's another thing to step into that, to live it, to put your faith in the hands of the provider. We'll be in Mark 6 today, and we'll see that Jesus really is our great provider, and he wants us to see him that way. He wants us to. He wants us to live that way. So let's begin, Mark 6, verse 30. The scripture will be on your screen, on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So before this, Jesus had sent them out with power, with authority, to preach, to heal, to do things. And now they're coming back and they were sort of reporting to Jesus They're talking about things, verse 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You know, Jesus was all about ministering. He was all about working hard and being busy and serving others. But he also knew this, the importance of rest. He knew that if you didn't have rest, you could not be at your best. And so he wanted to remind them of rest, and and rest is something that he needed too. You have to understand that. Jesus being fully God was also fully man, and there's many times where he had to break away and rest himself. He had the same needs that we do. But rest doesn't always go uninterrupted, does it? You know that. Oh, man, so many times where I've got the perfect time to take a nap, and I'm just sleeping so soundly, resting, and then I hear this, Dad, can I have chocolate milk? <laughs> dad, 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 can I have chocolate milk? Every time, right? You all know what I'm talking about. Um, with my job being a pastor, you know, um, I get calls and texts you know, throughout the day and and different times, and it's just part of of what I do. So uninterrupted rest is something that we don't always get, and that's kind of what happened here. It was a good thought. It was a good plan. 
But then this, verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Looks like a good place to take a nap. Nice and peaceful, right? Quiet. Maybe the wind's, the breeze is blowing and birds are slightly chirping. Oh, man, you know. But, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So this plan, this idea of resting, it just, you know, really didn't even last. It was disrupted. And so Jesus had been doing miracles. He had been helping people, ministering to people. And so he had a pretty big following at this time. And most of the people were just interested in the show. Some may have been really interested in him. There was just this big crowd of people that wanted to see what Jesus was doing. And so verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. You know, how do you feel when your rest gets interrupted? (laughs) Get away from me! (laughs) What are you doing? Leave me alone, you know. Even though... Jesus' rest was interrupted. It didn't keep him from feeling compassion on these people. And, and most of these people weren't even serious about him. All right? But he had compassion on every single one of them. And Jesus said these people were like sheep without a shepherd, and sheep need help. You know, they do. They need um, guidance. They need direction. They're... Their survival and their well-being are dependent upon someone taking care of them and leading them. That's how sheep are. And, and these people did not have anybody to lead them at this point. You know, John the Baptist was a prophet, and prophets really were not teachers or leaders, right? The prophets had usually had a single great important message, and they just kept repeating that and repeating that and repeating that. For the most part, they really were not teachers or leaders. And at this point, John the Baptist was killed. He was martyred. And the religious leaders were there. But I think it's funny that we call them religious leaders. Because they really were not religious leaders at all. They were not leaders. So the people there that Jesus saw really had no one to lead them. No one to guide them. And so it says that Jesus taught them many things. He wanted to teach them the right way, the right things about him and about his kingdom. And he spent a better part of the day teaching them. Verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples noticed here in this teaching that Jesus was doing that the people needed a break and they probably were hungry, but realistically, they probably, the disciples were hungry too, right? They probably needed a break. Jesus had been teaching all day. I know we go from sentence to sentence there, but after the period is hours. It's all day. You all think I preach long? I can tell when you start getting hungry. Right? Start looking at your watch, how Ken's doing. Hey, there's this thing that the Egyptians invented a long time ago called breakfast. 
You ought to try it. It works. Hey, 30, 40 minutes, y'all can stay with me, okay? Everyone was tired. Everybody. They were in this remote place, you know, no delivery. No, nobody bringing them food. So the disciples told Jesus, maybe it's time to send the people away. Let's, let's take a break. Like they do with these impeachment trials. You know, everybody's ready for a break. Let's take a break. And, and let's go get something to eat. And the disciples said, send, send them away. Look, look at Jesus' response, verse 37. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You do it. In, instead of agreeing with his disciples on sending the people away, Jesus just casually told them, hey, you guys... Go ahead and feed the people. You, you all take care of that. Notice what they said. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Your translation might say 200 denarii. Denarii is a day's wage. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? They were like, what? Us giving them something to eat? Uh, do you know, Jesus, do you know? I know you're a carpenter. Not a mathematician, not a banker. Do you know how much that would cost? We don't even have money like that. And even if we did, even if we had that much money amongst ourselves, you want us to waste it, spend it all on bread and give it to these people? They were questioning Jesus. They had been with Jesus, for a while now, they had seen him do some amazing things. Last week, they saw him raise a little girl from the dead. But with this, this thing right here, they were like, that's impossible. They saw this as impossible, as a limitation, as unrealistic. They said, we don't even have this. We don't have it. We don't have it. Notice what Jesus asked in verse 38. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. I love this about Jesus. He said, what do you have? What do you have? Go. He told them to go and see. In other words, go and find out. So we know that there's 5,000 men there. Probably 20,000 people. Let's do the math here. 12 of these guys. Go and find out. This would have taken longer. I don't like waiting at the drive-thru after church, you know. So th these people are already hungry, and you've got 12 people trying to survey and get a count for what 20,000 people have. So you add two, three more hours onto that. What does everybody have? Another gospel account tells us that one boy brought his lunch with him out of all these people. One boy. Either he was a mama's boy or a boy scout. <laughs> one of, or the two is true. He was prepared. But five loaves of bread, two fish, 
All right, let's let's be realistic here. Who does that feed? One person, maybe, maybe two, if you share, right? Realistically, enough for one to two people. Verse thirty-nine. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people set down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. So they brought Jesus these five loaves and two fish, and Jesus didn't say, oh, is that all? He didn't even say anything. He went right in and said, okay, we're getting ready to eat. You all need to get these people organized. And I love this about Jesus being a, a little bit obsessive, compulsive myself. He used even numbers and, man, just groups and divided them all up here hundreds and fifties is so organized I bet it's perfect verse 41 taking the five loaves and the two fish again mentions that again as if we didn't already know but it's emphasizing here what they have After taking that, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So Jesus prayed, took what they had, he prayed, and he started giving out portions to his disciples. And he gave the food to his disciples to give to others. That is so important for us to see. It could have been a buffet. Hey, you could rinds, whatever you want to call it. You know, Jesus is going to make this. You all come up and get what you want. No, he gave it to the disciples to hand out and to serve. And that tells us that God wants us to serve others. And so, you know, the need in our community, we have an opportunity to honor Christ and to be Christ to others and to serve. So he just kept breaking and giving to the disciples to distribute. And again, let's do the math. They've already been around checking to see what everybody had. Now they have to go back and hand out each person a plate or a basket or whatever they used. 12 12 men, 20,000 people. 12 men, you come to me, I'm going to start breaking and giving you food. So just think about how much you can carry in your hands. Maybe, you know, maybe enough for a couple of people. But you go and you, and you give here, and then what do you have to do? Go back to Jesus every single time. Every time. And I can just imagine being one of the disciples and having to do that and saying, well, I'm out, I'm done, and then going back, and oh, there's more. Oh, I'm done this time, surely that's all. You can't break it any smaller. Oh, there's more. And going back each time, not hundreds of times, thousands of times. This would have been huge. Amazed. Each and every time they're going back, they're getting more and more amazed. Who is this that can do this? Who is this that is breaking this bread? Who is this that is multiplying this fish? How is it that I go and I empty and I come back and I'm full again? Who who does that? You know, um, on my mom's side, she grew up and we have a large family. You know, she has 11, there's 11 brothers and sisters. 
You know, they used to do that back in the day, right? I can't imagine that. <laughs> Sounds like purgatory to me. <laughs> so 11 children, 25 grandchildren, and who knows how many great, I mean, just, you know. But, so when we would go to grandma's, mamma's, what I called her, when we would go to mamma's and eat, be like, there's no way she's going to feed everybody. And she fed everybody. I'm telling you, I don't know how she did it, but she did. And you know what? I thought, surely, you know, I'm just going to like be conservative on my plate here and, you know, eat. You know, so I did that and wanted some more. She come up, honey, you want more? Oh, there's more, honey. There's more than enough. And even after it was all gone, you know, after, after the food was gone, there'd be this, like, secret dish on the back burner with the lid on it. Oh, come here, honey. I got something special for you. Take the lid off of it. Oh, man. It would just be something good. That just amazed me. One woman. How could you do that? Feed everybody. This is what Jesus did. He fed everyone. Everyone had plenty. And guess what? There was leftovers. And there was leftovers. Verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And here's where it says the number. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. What a miracle. What a miracle that is. One of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did not only because of what he did but because of what he, it teaches us okay so here's where I need us to to um, come together and finish out two things that we can get from this miracle two things that we can learn from this and and look if you get these two things if you get them it will change your life it doesn't matter how young you are it doesn't matter how old you are if you get this, it will be huge for your life and your walk with the Lord. First thing, write this down, please. All Jesus needs is what we have. All Jesus needs is what you, we have. Um, the disciples didn't get this. So they had to be, what, taught a lesson. So many Christians today, myself included, don't get this or struggle with this at times. Um, remember, what did Jesus say in verse 38? How many loaves do you have? Do you have? Notice something very important. Jesus didn't want what they didn't have. He wanted what they had. Let me ask you this. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have in your home? What do you have in your bank account? What do you have in savings? What do you have in your pantry? What do you have in your fridge? What do you have in your bomb shelter, if that's you? What do you have? That's all Jesus wants. We're so quick to think about, well, I don't, have, I don't have enough. I don't have this, or I don't have that. Or what I have cannot be significant. I cannot be significant because I don't have enough. That's not true. 
That's not true at all. We just think if I had more, then I could give more. No. Jesus says give what you have. Offer what you have. God wants that first. What do you have right now? That's all Jesus wants. And that's all he needs to do a miracle, to do amazing things in your life. Because, listen to me, please, it's not what you can do, it's what he can do. It's not what you can do, it's what he can do. Let's read this again, please. Verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish. What is that? It's what they had. It's what they had. Taking what they had and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Then he also divided the two fish among them all. You see, when you bring Jesus what you have, he gets involved. He can do more with what we have than what you can do with what you have. You, Jesus says, you give me you and I will do the rest. He steps in and does the impossible. He steps in and does the multiplying. He steps in and does the miracle. All you have to do is let him have what you have. The question is then, will you give it? Is it available to Jesus? Will you trust him with what you have? Because the second very, very important truth is this. All we need is Jesus. That's all we need. That's all you, myself, anyone in this world ever needs is Jesus, ultimately. This is so important, but it's so hard. It's so hard for us. This world tells us we need this, we need that, we need to be at a certain level to experience comfort, we need to be at a certain level to experience success. We're sort of wired to think that we need certain things in order to be okay. What Jesus wants us to know is all we need is him. And he takes care of the rest. He provides. Earlier in Mark 6, if you have your Bibles open, this is a really neat thing. Um, It's not on the screen, but earlier in Mark 6, the same chapter that we're in, Jesus had sent the disciples out and told them not to take anything with them. All right? Jesus had instructed the disciples to go out, do some things. Oh, and by the way, don't take anything. Listen to this. It's not on the screen, just listen. Verse 8. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. I'll listen to this. No bread. Don't take any bread with you. He was thinking, we're going to eat that later. No bread. No bag. No money. 
in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Don't, I don't understand that one, but you know. He said, take nothing with you. Jesus told them this before they went out. Listen, right before they met all these people, right before they did this feeding, Jesus had already sent them out with nothing. Why? Why? Did he, did he want them to fail? What was he trying to teach them? All they needed was him. He was all they needed. Do you see Jesus that way? I know we, we have needs, basic human needs, but you know what? If we have Jesus, those needs are met. See, you can have everything and not Jesus and have nothing. Or you can have nothing and Jesus and have everything. I don't know how I said that without getting confused. But it makes sense to me. Do you see Jesus as that way, as being all you need, as being your great provider? Are you relying on him or are you relying on yourself or other things? If you place your faith and focus in other things, you'll, you will eventually be let down. And Jesus is the only thing that can truly bring satisfaction to your life and my life. The only thing. Verse 42. We're going to close here. They all ate and were satisfied. Only Jesus can do that. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. You know, we search for so many things to fulfill our lives. Young people, we look for so many things to fulfill our lives and to satisfy our lives. But only Jesus satisfies. We can try to fill our lives with stuff, but only Jesus is fulfilling. After everyone was fed, the disciples filled up 12 basketfuls of food. Not only does Jesus satisfy, but he blesses abundantly. Amen? The Lord doesn't want just to give you what you need. He wants to give you what you need and more. He wants to bless you. He wants to fill you. He doesn't just want you to know that he's enough. He wants you to know that, hey, he's more than enough. But in order for him to do that, we have to give him what we have and we have to see him as all we need. And when we do that, not, not only does he provide for us, but he blesses our lives tremendously. I pray that we would believe that, not only today, but each and every day of our lives. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Where do you need to trust in Jesus as your provider? What area do you need to give to the Lord? He wants what you have. He'll bless you abundantly. You know, ultimately, Jesus, the bread of life, gave his life for the world. This is what I love about this miracle. Because it points to something. That's, that's great, but it points to something greater. Jesus, the bread of life, gave his life for the world. And you know what? It's satisfied. It's satisfied. 
It satisfied the wrath of God, and it satisfied the debt for our sin completely. Jesus broke himself and offered himself to everyone. And what he offered was enough for the entire world. 20,000 people was big, but man, the entire world is bigger. And the blessing that he gives to those who trust him are beyond measure. Do you know Jesus that way today? Now, after reading about Jesus breaking the bread, I thought it would be good for us to break bread together. To look at this and remember and look to Jesus on that mountainside, in that remote place, doing this amazing miracle. But on a hillside, he would do an even more amazing miracle. And for those of you that are not familiar with communion or the Lord's Supper, it's where we as Christians come together and remember what Jesus did for us. We remember the body that was placed on the cross for us instead of us. We remember the blood that ran from his body. And scripture teaches us that that blood washes away the sin of the world. And so we read about a miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and we're in awe of that. But we look to Calvary and remember the miracle that cleansed the entire world. And we remember what it cost. And maybe God from heaven said, give me what you have. And Jesus said, I'll give you my life. What do you have? We owe our lives to God, to the Lord. Because Jesus gave his for you. Now I want to ask everybody to bow your heads. Um, I want to give an opportunity here for those that may not have a relationship with the Lord to do that. And then I want to also ask us to pray together to prepare our hearts to receive the elements. Heavenly Father, today we love you and we thank you. Father, we look at this miracle of the feeding of many, many people and uh, we see that you indeed are our great provider and you do the impossible things. You do the things that we can only dream about. Father, help us to have that kind of faith in you, to look to you and, and believe that nothing is impossible with you. Help us to believe and live like you are our provider. Help us to trust you with what we have. Help us not to think that we don't have enough. Help us to live with that faith where we trust you with what we have and ultimately we see you as our greatest need. And if we have you, then we have everything because we trust in you to provide for us, to bless us. Help us to live that way, Father. I pray for the person today that doesn't have a relationship with you, that has never really given their life to you, but today, today that person says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. 
I want a relationship with you. Father, I pray that that person would right now ask for forgiveness of their sins. That they would place their faith in what you did on the cross for them. That you died for them. That your blood was shed for their sins. And that through that, forgiveness is offered. But through your resurrection, a new life is available. I pray that they would just believe that simple truth and then commit their lives to learning from you, to loving you, and to serving others like you did. Help them to realize that today and to do that. And then experience communion together with all the brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I pray today for us that we would enter into this time with pure hearts, So forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our failures. Help us to realize that we're here to honor and glorify you in this life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.